Hi, everybody. I'm Emma Houghton, and you're listening to 30 Teams in 30 Days on the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. So the 2021 Major League Baseball season is underway. I still have three more of these podcasts to do, but I have spent every day in March previewing all 30 Major League Baseball teams in alphabetical order. Today is April 7th, and I continue on with the Texas Rangers, and I am joined today by special guest Shanavaz Makani. Shanavaz, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Emma. I appreciate it. Super excited to go through this Rangers team that I think on paper, not a ton of people are excited about, but I definitely think there are a few things that we can highlight to hopefully rain, raise some Rangers hopes. Let's put it like that, Rangers fans' sure. hopes. <laughs> so usually how I go through this, I go through a bit of history, impressions from the season so far, and then I go through position battles, a wrap-up of the offseason, and then starting pitching, relief pitching, bench prospects before I finish with my philosophy on the team. But Shanavaz's new podcast, Metroplex Mania, launched this week. Congrats on that, by the way. Thank you very much. I'm super excited. And he basically did exactly what I've been doing for the Rangers. So make sure to go listen to that to check out a a real player-by-player preview. I want to focus today on what has happened this season so far. And Shanavaz, just off the top, this team is two and three right now. What are your impressions from some of the first games so far this season? Um, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of impressed. Um, you know, I, we knew the pitching was going to struggle coming into this year. Um, that, that seems to be the name of the game every year for the Rangers for the last decade. Um, you know, and, and I, since the World Series appearances, I mean, we've struggled. Even when we had Cole Hamels and you Darvish, there was always trouble filling in the back end of the rotation. And there was always struggle with, okay, who's going to come out of the bullpen, right? And, and um, it's no different this year. When Kyle Gibson's your number one starter, I think you're, you're, you know, you're expecting um, some errors to happen. Um, but I'm actually pleasantly surprised by the offense. Um, you know, Texas had the second worst offense in Major League Baseball last year, uh, right behind Cincinnati. And so to have, you know, to put up, you know, opening day, just go crazy with the Royals, um, you know, every inning and, felt like we're, everybody was putting up, you know, seven, eight runs. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasant surprise to see. I mean, obviously the pitching needs some work, but there's, there's some hope there. Yeah, I wanted to say the scores of their first five games because I think they're insane. It is absolutely ridiculous. So the first series against the Royals, the new look Royals with Benintendi and Carlos Santana and some new pitchers in there, they dropped the first one 14 to 10, dropped right. the second one 11 to 4, Won the last game of the series, 7-3. And then so far against the Blue Jays, two losses, 6-2 and 7-4. So I feel the same way about you. I think the pitching has struggled actually more than I would have expected because I had a little bit of hope that some of these players would bounce back. Guys like Mike fulton Jordan Lyles actually did pitch very well. But we can Mm -hmm. get into that more in a bit. What I need to talk about is Nate Lowe. Oh, my goodness. Because I did my Tampa Bay Rays season preview yesterday, and I usually start off with recapping the offseason. I did not even mention that Nate Lowe is no longer on the Rays because there were so many other big-name guys that I needed to mention, like Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. I need to personally apologize to Nate Lowe (laughs) because he has an RBI, in fact, multiple RBIs in almost every single game 
this season. What are you seeing from him and where did it come from? So there's a really funny story about this um, that if people don't know, Levi Weaver, who is um, a writer for The Athletic um, for Texas, wrote this story and I believe it came out this morning, but it's kind of been floating around there for, you know, that Rangers fans have kind of heard about. So in spring training, the, the number one position battle was first base, right? Because the Rangers had struggled with, um, with Ronald Guzman the last couple of years. His defense has been fantastic, but he struggled incredibly from the plate. Um, and, and that's the reason that Chris Young, when he was named GM, the second deal he made was to go out and get Nate Lowe, who somehow is still 25 years old, which right. is mind-boggling to me because I feel like he's been in the league for, you know, 10 years. Um, and, you know, he didn't play a lot last year for Tampa Bay, even though they, he was left off the World Series roster. They went with G-Man Choi. Um, and so the story is, is that when Nate Lowe came into spring training, um, he was not swinging at almost any pitches in spring training. He, had a, he was only batting 205 after spring training. And Chris Woodward was kind of like, okay, well, what's the deal, right? We, we brought you in to be the first baseman. Guzman just hit 308 in spring training and had a crazy um, uh, season in winter ball for the Dominican League. Um, and so there was some internal conversation about, okay, did we make a mistake? And Nate Lowe said the reason he wasn't swinging is he was trying to get a better feel for the strike zone and get a better feel for how to read pitches. Um, and it's clearly worked out, right? I mean, he is absolutely crushing the ball. And I think his, uh, you can kind of see, you know, his patience at the plate and his pitch selection is rubbing off on a lot of guys um, and particularly Joey Gallo. And I'm sure we'll get to this later, but um, you know, Joey Gallo was the first player in team history to record five hits and five walks in his first three games wow. uh, as a Ranger, which, and Nate Lowe, by the way, Emma, you brought this set up, um, the 14 RBI through five games, only the third player in major league baseball history, uh, right behind former Red Sox, Bobby Doerr and Chris Davis, former Ranger, wow. um, both of whom made the all-star teams the years that they accomplished this feat, by the way. Um, so just, it, it's, a, it's an insane stat. I mean, he is really just crushing the ball. Um, but to me, the bigger influence is kind of what he's, you know, the kind of effect he's had trickling down the lineup. Oh, I love that. And it, 71 career plate appearances before this season. And it's now he's, he's slugging 857. So obviously that's not sustainable. But I loved what you said about him learning the strike zone because isn't that what Young and Woodward preach? They're not going to have six players in this lineup who can hit 20-plus home runs. They might not even have three or four guys that can do that, but they want to have good quality at-bats. And drawing walks for Joey Gallo is a really good sign, and the power that Nate Lowe has so far is a really good sign for this lineup. Yeah, and, and you know, that's been another struggle for the Rangers the last few years, right, is because you had people on this team where you're, you know, your expectation was they're going to bat 200, you know, 210, but put up 20 to 30 home runs and that was going to lead your, you know, lead your offense. Right. Those, those players are gone. Now, mm -hmm. Right. You know, now it's more of a, um, you know, it's a, it's a more finite approach uh, from Chris Woodward, who to be honest has preached this for a couple of years since he got hired. Right. I think that ultimately Chris Woodward's philosophy was just kind of, you know, play the ball, right. If it's a single, it's a single, you know, we don't need to be putting the ball over the fence every, you know, every play. Um, and, and, you know, this whole shift, in front office ideology, I think is really going to help the Rangers going down the road. Yeah. And honestly, that's the type of baseball that I prefer. Yeah. It's great to see John Carlos Stanton hit almost 60 home runs, but it's also cool to see 
guys string at bats together and score runs that way. So I like what I'm seeing there. So let's just look back quickly over this off season, 2020, the Rangers finished 22 and 38, which is hard to put in perspective. That would have been over a full season, just over a hundred losses, worst record in the AL, a tough season. And I've done 28 of these 27 season previews so far. I don't think I have had a list as extensive in terms of additions and departure departures this off season than I have right now for the Rangers. I mean, the, it is a new look team pitching wise and lineup wise. I'll go through it quickly. They added Nate Lowe. They added Chris Davis, a division rival who I definitely want to talk about guys like David Dahl, Koei Uhara, Ian Kennedy, Dane Dunning, Brock Holt, Charlie Kurlbison, Mike Fulton-Nevich, Jordan Lyles. And then on the other hand, they parted ways with that big three pitching staff that everybody had such high hopes for in Lance Lynn, Corey Kluber, Mike Miner. I mean, really, two years ago, you thought this could be one of the best rotations in the league. And then I think we saw probably a culmination of 60 innings from all of those guys, almost all of them coming from Lance Lynn himself. <laughs> they also lost. Odor, we definitely need to talk about Elvis Andrews, Shinsu Chu, Mike Miner, Rafael Montero, and Kobe Klu- Corey Kluber. So from that list, Sean Abbas, who do you think was the most important loss? And who do you think was the most important ad who can make the biggest impact this season? Um, so I'll reverse that. I think the player that can make the biggest ad, um, and it, in my opinion, it's David Dahl. Um, mm. I think if you look back – um, at David Dahl's 2018, uh, when he was an all-star um, with Colorado. Um, you know, we went through some injuries the last couple of years, but this guy, he is he had the first hit at Globe Life last year when Colorado came to, um, you know, open the, oh, that's the cool. in Texas. Yeah, I think he's the only player in baseball history to have three opening days where he's had three hits or more, and he did it again this year against Kansas City. So it's kind of it's, – it's like a, one of those weird stats – um, but I, I think left field has been a struggle for the Rangers ever since um, Josh Hamilton left, right? Um, and it's we've we've gone through various iterations of, of random, you know, these random left fielders that we've thrown out there. And, and the U Darvis trade a couple of years ago, the goal was to have Willie Calhoun man that that position. Um, and Calhoun has struggled with with injuries um, time and time again. And so, you know, when Chris Young was brought on as GM, um, and this move was made, I I was very, very impressed because I thought David Dahl was going to get a multi-year deal from somebody, even with the injury. Um, and I thought he'd get paid a lot more money because he's, he's been a really, really good player for, for a few years now. And even the, you know, we talk about, you know, the, the, you know, people playing at, Coors Field and what is the effect um, that it has on the road stats. David Dahl's road stats are pretty much, you know, in line with his with his home stats at at Coors. So um, I was pretty impressed with that signing. I think that's going to be um, – I, I think that's probably the biggest addition um, for this team. And if you want to talk addition by subtraction, we can talk about Elvis Andrews and Odora, and I'm sure we'll get to that um, later. Uh, the biggest loss, I think, is Lance Lynn, right? And I think you, you have a guy that finished um, – you know, that pitched extremely well. I mean, the Rangers, and they've proven it again this year with, with Matt Bush and, and Ian Kennedy, they're kind of the hub for reclamation projects in, in baseball, right? They, they get these guys that have struggled 
for other teams and, and bring them in on, on, you know, short-term deals um, and see what they can do. And if they do well, they flip them for, for prospects. It, you know, it hasn't always worked out because most of the players that we've brought on have, have struggled again. Um, <laughs> but Lance Lynn was, was kind of that guy that Rangers fans, when, you know, when he took over, um, you know, as the ace uh, after Hamels and, and the Darvish trade, um, it was kind of like, okay, like, are we going to be a pitching team now? You know, you talked about going into last year and it was, the three-headed monster of Lynn, Miner, and, and Kluber. Um, and I, I was extremely optimistic last right. year that, okay, this is finally the year that can we compete for a wild-card spot, you know? Um, and it, you know, I think Lance Lynn, just the leadership he brought, just, you know, the, the presence he brought in the locker room, I think that's definitely a huge loss. But that being said, I'm very, very excited about Dane Dunning, who, who had an amazing outing last night as well. Yeah, I mean, Dane Dunning, talking about the reclamation project, project he's already pretty much solidified as one of the best prospects best pitching prospects in the game so that was definitely a good pickup for them I have gushed about Lance Lang in the past how much value he brings to a team just because he is on the mound so often he I think yeah. he's led the league in innings pitch since 2019 and then second of all David Dahl people forget that we are not very far removed from the Rockies making the postseason two years in a row and the 2019 version of David Dahl, where he was a 19% better hitter than league average. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe how small the market was for Dahl and the fact that the Rockies just non-tendered him. I think he could be potentially the left fielder of the future in Texas. And he's only if 20. he stays healthy. That is yeah, a, a if note. he stays healthy, he's 27 years old. This is yeah. a guy that you can easily sign to a multi-year deal, you know, come this offseason right? When you've kind of established your identity and you figured out, okay, what's the, what's the path moving forward for this organization? If David Dahl fits into that, this is a guy that you, this is a starting left fielder that could potentially be an all-star, you know, a 300 hitter that you can plug into your lineup every day for the next four years. I completely believe that and think that could happen. So you brought, you mentioned it, the second worst offense in the league, second worst batting average last year as a team, second worst OPS, Scored the second fewest runs, only higher than the Pirates. You don't really want to be too close to the Pirates in any offensive categories ever. And they also had the fourth fewest walks, which goes back to what we were talking about with quality at bats. In this lineup, who are guys that you think are either going to build upon what they had last year or really just coming out of nothing and you think could lead this lineup? Because I see Kiner Falefa as young too, he could already be a leader of this team. Yeah, and that was going to be my my answer, right? I think Isaiah kind of falefa coming out of last year, mm-hmm. you know, the there was there was a huge struggle in the Rangers organization with the Elvis Andrews and Rugnet Odor situations, right? You've got this, you know, you've got this monkey kind of hanging over your over your head of, you know, years past when we were a playoff team and contending for an AL West title and and you know, Elvis being on the World Series teams, you know. Um and you've got this, this, you know, scrappy little kid in, in the minor leagues um, that you tried to play at catcher for some reason for mm. a year and a half. And it was just, it was awkward. And he kept getting sent up and sent down. And um, he's a naturally a second baseman, right? So why they decided, you know, to put him in at, at catcher was, is beyond me. And there's a lot of questionable John Daniels decisions over the last few years, but I think one of the best ones was letting him, you know, you, when you needed a third base, right. When Adrian Beltre retired and, and the thought was, do we go out and try to get somebody, Todd Frazier tried to man that 
for a little while before he got traded last year. Um, and so you give, you give Isaiah Kiner-Falefa a shot. And I think not only the, you know, the fielding was great, you know, of course, won a gold glove at third base, but he provides, you know, he, he kind of reminds me of a younger Elvis Andrews just in, mm-hmm. in the way that he kind of plays the game. You can see the passion, but you can see that he's not trying to hit for power. He doesn't, I mean, he's not going to be a, a 20, 25 home run guy. You know, I think you're going to see 10 to 15 home runs, but you'll see 60 something RBIs, right? You're, this is a guy that who now has moved into the leadoff spot who is basically setting the table up for guys like David Dahl and Joey Gallo, right? This guy should be able to produce a good hundred runs um, this year. And I think he plays the game the right way. And it's an overused statement, but for a team like the Rangers, that's young, that's struggling, that, that needs some sort of identity. That's exactly the type of guy that you want leading them into the future. Yeah. Perfect embodiment of the leadoff hitter too. So talking about the table setting for hitters like Dahl and Gallo, the best stat I found today about this Rangers team, Joey Gallo, first of all, he's the longest tenured player on this team now that Andrews has left. 2015. Which is crazy. The turnover of this team. Yeah, exactly. He is a lifetime 208 hitter. Mm-hmm. He also has 121 career homers. But Joey Gallo has either struck out, walked, or homered in 58.4% of his career plate appearances. Is that a guy that you can see being the future of this team? And that's the big question for Rangers fans, right? When you talk about a rebuild, um, you know, obviously you jettison players like Andrews and mm-hmm. or and players of, of, you know, your, your previous teams that have had success. Right. Um, but you look at, okay, who's the guy that, we've groomed that can be the face of the franchise. And for the last few years, it's been Joey Gallo, right? Since Beltre retired, I think Andrews, Odor, and Gallo were, were kind of the, you know, the faces of this team. And, and Joey Gallo is such a polarizing player for Rangers fans because of the stats that you just provided, right? It's either a strikeout, a walk, a single, or a home. Like there's, there's no in-between, right? It's, you're getting one of the four. And the walks did not come very often the last year or so. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Can he turn the corner? Um, you know, he's coming up, I believe, in free agency in, in two years. And so he's a Scott Boris guy, which mm-hmm. is another concern that, you know, the front office has to have. Because That's a good point. he's not going to – yeah, he may not agree to sign an extension during the year. Many Boris clients don't, right? He pushes them to get to free agency. Um, is it wise to trade him? If, he, if Joey Gallo just goes crazy this year, right, and let's say he's batting 240, um, but he's walking. <laughs> and, going yeah, crazy. crazy for Joey Gallo, yeah. <laughs> if he's batting 240 and, and, you know, slugging home runs and walking a ton, is he a guy that you put on the market and say, okay, yeah. look, we're rebuilding. Do we need to, you know, move off of Joey Gallo and, and potentially get, you know, another right fielder? We've got right field prospects in the minors. Do we need to acquire some more pitching? What can we get for him? Is it, is it wise to at least gauge what kind of interest uh, is out there for a guy like Gallup? Yeah, I kind of lean towards with all the factors you just said and how long this rebuild is panning out to be, especially because the farm system, I think I speak for you when I say it's probably not in the position that you want it to be in considering how the major league team is playing right now. I'm not sure he checks all the boxes of what the Rangers need in the future. Yeah. And, and, you know, this team is, 
you know, and, and I talked about it on my podcast, this farm system is a ways off, right? The yeah. Rangers drafted, you know, in the late 2010s, a lot of their draft picks were players, really, really good pitchers coming out of high school, but all went through this weird program that John Daniels has set up where right out of high school and right after out of being drafted, they would start pitching and, and like 75% of them needed surgery. Yeah. Um, but it was ridiculous, right? So like everyone had a UCL or, some type of arm injury where, you know, they needed surgery three, four times and, and they're stuck in low A ball or sitting in, in high A or low double A. I mean, kids that aren't going to be ready for two, three years, you know, at minimum. Um, so you're right. I mean, you lean kind of towards, okay, if this rebuild is going to take longer, is this, is Joey Gallo a guy that we need to get off of? But the question is then what can you get for it? Yeah. Right. The question is, is there, a, is there a return that you can get um, that's going to be suitable for the rebuild? I mean, that's why the, John Daniels held on to Lance Lynn, right, was the, I guess, the offers that he felt he was getting at the deadline last year were not what he thought could, could help the rebuild. And I think getting Dane Dunning was, was great because there's been a lot, you know, a lot of injury questions with Dane Dunning, but he slotted in right as the number three prospect in our organization, right? So I think getting a guy like Dunning, and, and he pitched really, really well last night um, again. So that's why John Daniels held up. So the question is, do you hold on to Gallo and then see what you can get? But if you can get anything, is it sufficient for what you're trying to do in the future? Yeah. Yeah, those are the questions. And I honestly don't have much to say about Odor and him moving on, except that I think it was worse for the Yankees. I'm, I'm more curious about why the Yankees needed to do this, whereas for the Rangers, I think he was just outplayed by all these other infield guys, even the outfield guys, and there wasn't a spot for him anymore. Did you have anything else on that? Yeah, I mean, Odor just – look, he'll, he'll live – he'll be revered in Texas forever because of the Jose Bautista punch. Yep, yep. Um, but that literally right after that punch is what derailed his career. I mean, if you look at his splits from, from before that and after that, it's just, it, he falls off a cliff. Um, and, and, you know, the Rangers fans were incredibly torn because Odor was again, one of those guys that he always played the game hard. I mean, he never, he never looked like he was, you know, taking a day off or anything. I mean, this guy would run out the bases. This guy tried to field as well as he could. He tried to hit, you know, bombs and when he did hit home runs I mean they would go far right this guy was a phenomenal hitter uh, when he could actually make contact the problem was is that he was so up and down you know he would start spring training and bat 190 he would bat 180 through June and then July he would get hot and then August he'd be back below the Mendoza line and then September he's batting like 480 mm. in the year and it's just like it's like okay which version are we getting right you know, you trade a guy, you trade for a guy like Nick Solak who you bring in. Again, another natural second baseman that you, you're plugging in at center field and you're plugging him in in left field because you can't figure out those positions. And it's like, give Nick Sol you traded, you traded, uh, I believe it was Peter Fairbanks, who's killing it in Tampa Bay right now yeah. um, for Nick Solak. And so, you know, this is a former second round pick that, okay, let's, let's, we need to see what he can give us. Um, and, and it's kind of it, it, at the at the end of the day, it was the only way to do that is to is to get Ruben Odor off the books, mm -hmm. right? And and they tried him at third base in spring training, you know, played pretty well, but it just wasn't a scenario. I think it came down to the point where John Daniels and Chris Young said, "We've got to move on from you know these players that have been on the roster for this long. If we're going to go complete rebuild, we just got to reshuffle the deck." Yeah, 
and you just can't keep that inconsistency around. All right, cool. So now let's move to that pitching staff. I think we can lump the starting pitching and the relief pitching together as the weakness for this team generally. (laughs) Um, You mentioned when you have Kyle Gibson as your number one guy, you're going to run into some problems. I will say to Gibson's credit, from 2014 to 2019, he never had a year in which he threw less than 147 innings pitched. So mm-hmm. he, he was hurt in 2020, and then uh, 2020, obviously, the shortened season, and I think he dealt with a few injuries anyway. But his career FIP is over 4, 4 three, six. So that's obviously not ideal for an ace, but you've seen good showings from Lyle so far, from Dunning so far, even from Uihara so far. Do you think this can be long-term, or do you think that plus just the – it's not even lack of depth, but the lack of just true talent in the bullpen. Where do you see this pitching staff ending up? Yeah, I mean, you know, going into, into today's game against Toronto, we have the second-worst ERA in baseball again, yeah. right? So it's kind of like – it's just the same old story, um, you know, with the Rangers that it has been um, for, for a while. Um, you know – do I see long-term success? So Jordan Lyles, I know in spring training, really, really worked. He added a slider um, to his arsenal. He worked to kind of change his grip on his fastball. And it, I think it showed on Sunday against Kansas City, and he pitched lights out. Um, you know, you know the Rangers are employing this new tandem kind of pitching staff, uh, if you will, with, with Jordan Lyles and Dane Dunning. Mm-hmm. Ironically, the two pitchers who pitched the best got pulled, um, you know, in the fifth inning because of this tandem um, project that, that – they that we're undertaking it'll be interesting to see if they pair that with Kyle Gibson um, because I think Gibson has struggled since coming over you know again we talk about reclamation projects you know getting Gibson after you know he was in Minnesota for a while and Lyles was you know former formerly in Houston and Milwaukee two guys that struggled you know their last years in 2018 I think right you mentioned Gibson um, you know pitched a lot of innings which he did he also had some injury issues um, I believe um, you know, before coming over. Um, so is it long-term? Not really, at least for those two. I, I will say this for Fulton Avich, I was really pumped about his spring training because I think he, again, another guy like Dave Dahl who, you know, struggled with injuries, but a few years ago was an all-star and just was completely dominated, right? I think he had like a two, three, six ERA, something like that. Yeah. Cy um, Young votes that year. Cy Young votes. Yeah. Um, and so Fulton Avich, to his credit, he pitched fairly well after the first couple innings on Monday against, uh, you know, in the home opener against Toronto. But Toronto in, the, in four innings hit 30 foul balls. Um, and Fulton Avich was up to 70 pitches after the first three innings. So yeah. you know, for a guy that's, that's struggled and, and dealt with some injuries and really hasn't, didn't pitch a lot last year, um, I understand the first struggle. I, I'll be interested to see how, it, you know, how things go when he kind of settles down. But Long-term wise, I mean, this bullpen, you know, it, it's a struggle, right? I mean, you've got young guys like Kyle Cody and Taylor Hearn who pitched pretty well in tandem with, with Dane Dunning yesterday. But when you're throwing out guys like Matt Bush and Ian Kennedy, you know, this isn't a, 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 a bullpen that you can be excited about. You know, again, injury bug hit us. Jose LeClerc's out for the year, mm-hmm. right? Jonathan Hernandez, who was our best pitcher overall probably last year um, and was in line for that ninth inning or maybe even eighth inning ninth inning kind of guy um you know former starter converted to a reliever um he's out for an extended period of time as well and so this bullpen is just completely in shambles and so you really need pitchers that can eat a lot of innings 
um, that way, you know, we're not having to rely on, on you know, these folks that, that, that can come in in the fifth and sixth inning. Yeah. And, and that leads me into, I usually end with prospects before I go to philosophy of the team, but the need is so large in the bullpen and even in the pitching staff because Gibson and Fultonevich aren't going to be long-term guys. Even if they get better, they still aren't long-term options. So I really think it it is more likely that we see guys like Gallo being flipped for pitching prospects. The Andrews trait, we didn't even mention Chris Davis, actually. But yeah, I, and- I would have liked to see Andrews Odor getting switched for pitching prospects because that is where the Rangers just need more depth. They need more options because the draft has been so successful, unsuccessful for them in recent years. Right, yeah. And the, the draft has just been awful for the Rangers. Yeah. I mean, you know, the last – and, and, you know, we've got the second overall pick this year. And, and you know, it's something that I'm going to get to on my podcast, um, you know, when come draft time. But you've got these two kids out of Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah. And, and John and Leiter, who, I mean, good God. Like, you watch these guys pitch, and it's just your eyes light up. And I have heart emojis, like, everywhere. Because I'm like, this is amazing. Like, if we can get a guy, like, one, either one, I don't care. My, cons- my, my biggest fear is that they've got a shortstop there who's a third – you know, third ranked, who's a Dallas kid. Um, and, and my concern is that they're going to go after, they're going to go after Fowler and, and plug him in at shortstop and just completely forget about pitching. Interesting. Um, but, and, and I'm not the only Rangers fan who feels that way, by the way. Um, but this, yeah, this team has struggled with pitching for a long, long time. Um, you know, and, and you're right. If you can flip Gallo for pitching prospects, you know, ideally that would be great. But again, you know, it, it's, it's a matter of what do you get for him? And the struggle then is, let's say if he is hitting really well come midseason or end of the year, do you want to trade him? I mean, or do you want this guy to be the face of your franchise, right? So there's a lot of big decisions um, that the Rangers are going to have to make in the next, you know, year. Yeah, and it really does depend on Gallo's performance this season and next season if it comes to it. Other guys uh, on top – MLB's top 100 lit list, Josh Young, third baseman, 60th overall. Sam Huff, the catcher, 74th overall. And then Dunning, the right-handed pitcher, comes in at 88th overall. I'll ask you quickly because I actually didn't even think of this before, but you brought it right up. Is your biggest hope for this Rangers season – well, this isn't really fair because obviously you're going to watch them and hope that they win some games. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the smartest thing, if you take the fan hat off, is it to tank and get a guy like Rocker or Leiter? I mean, we're already, we're locked into the second pick, right? Yeah. So Rocker or Leiter is going to fall to us. Um, one of them, and I don't care which one we take. I just please, God, Chris Young, take one of them, <laughs> right? Don't don't get a shortstop. Um, and and to that point, the reason why I say don't get a shortstop, we've got a guy in the minor leagues by the name of Maximo Acosta, who people have not heard of, but you will. Um, he's our fifth ranked prospect. He's 18 years old. Um, their comparisons are to Glaber Torres um, mm. for this young man. So um, be on the lookout for him. That's a guy who could probably hit the majors within the next two to three years at shortstop. So I, I don't want to touch a position like that. We've got enough infield depth in the minor leagues where we don't need to be um, going after guys. I think we just drafted Justin Foskey last year as well, a second baseman who can also play shortstop. Um, but to your question, I'm a, the goal for this Rangers team, and I talked about this on my podcast as well, is, is just find your identity. I mean, yeah. we've spent years of trading prospects for Jonathan Lucroy and Carlos Beltran to try to make a run at a wild card spot because anything can happen in the playoffs, right? And then holding on to Lance Lynn and Mike Miner maybe a year too long. 
uh, when we could have had, you know, uh, traded them for other prospects and overvaluing certain players, um, undervaluing prospects that we traded away. And I think that's why ownership wanted to bring in a guy like Chris Young. Um, John Daniels has faced a lot of backlash the last few years because of some of his decisions. And I think there was a consensus to bring in another set of eyes to look over the organization and look over kind of, you know, what's going on. Um, and Chris Young, a former Ranger, a guy who's extremely well-respected in baseball. The first two deals he made were Lance Lynn for Dane Dunning and then trading for Nate Love. And yeah. right now those have worked out. So far, out. so good. Yeah. So, so far, so good for those. Um, but yeah, the, the ultimate goal for this team is to find your identity, right? Identify which players can be long-term assets, which players can we, uh, can we build this team around? Uh, when is Josh Young going to come up to take third base? Um, and then and go, go from there. Start building your team, much like former assistant GM AJ Preller has done for San Diego, right? That's, yeah. I always use Preller and Epstein as examples because Epstein's done it for two franchises. Um, and Preller, uh, now, you know, when you build up your depth, you can go out and get guys like Blake Snell, right? Um, you know, you can go out and make these trades uh, to beef up your roster. So yeah. you've, you've got to, when you talk about rebuild, it's not just at the major league level. It's got to start from, from low A and, and go all the way up. Yeah, very good point. AJ Preller, we're five games into the season, and he has already won executive of the year in my book, and it's not even Absolutely. particularly close. And that's the, that's the mindset that I think every rebuilding team has, right? It's figuring out what your identity is. It's prioritizing the development of these young players mm -hmm. over wins. But with that being said, I'll leave you with this. Pakoda has the Rangers winning 68 games. Are you going over or under? I'll go over, but I think I'm going to go over by like two or three. Okay. I, I think this is a 70 win team. I, I don't think, um, you know, I said on my podcast biggest, I, I think the best case scenario is that they finish 500. Um, that's if everything falls, you know, everything falls into place, right. You know, Kyle Gibson has a resurgent year. Jordan Lyles pitches like he did Sunday, which I'm not expecting any of that. Um, I think 70 wins. I'll take it. Um, if, you know, we see uh, steadied improvement from guys like Nick Solak. If we see Leody Tavares actually hit, we know the defense is there, but can he, can he be the center fielder of the future? Is that another position that we have to address, you know, going into the offseason? Um, you know, figuring out, you know, when is Josh Young coming up? This guy, I'm, I'm telling people right now, watch, watch for this guy when he comes to bed. This is the next best third baseman in Major League Baseball. Wow. Uh, Josh Young is wasn't really well known in college. Played at Texas Tech. He's a he's a local kid. Um, I don't. I normally don't watch baseball film. I've you know I've watched um, a little bit here and there, but I've watched tape of Josh Young, and this guy is going to hit. He'll hit 300 with 25 home runs every year for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, he's he, and he's his fielding is slick. He's going to be a really, really, really good player for a long time for the Rangers. Um, and, and, you know, the biggest decision you have then is going into an offseason where the biggest question for the Rangers is at shortstop, right, and second base. You move Isaiah Kiner-Falefa over to second base and make Nick Solak a utility guy and go after Carlos Correa or Trevor Story, yeah. or, you know, do you – you're going to have to pony up a lot of money for these guys, right? Um, the Rangers have not spent in free agency in a while. So they've been saving for this because Trevor Story is a local, uh, is a local guy. Clayton Kershaw has said he would be willing to pitch for a team other than the Dodgers. Guess where Clayton Kershaw is from? Texas, Dallas specifically. So 
are those two guys you're ready to throw $500 million at, you know, or is this, is it a situation where you're saying, you know what, we'll sit back and wait for the next best free agent class a couple of years down the road. I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I, I have to think it's the latter because if nothing else, this is going to be kind of a tough sell to a guy like Clayton Kershaw or even a guy like Trevor story. I mm-hmm. mean, how long are they going to wait, especially Clayton Kershaw in the, definitely the waning of his career, they're going to want to compete right away. Trevor Story, if he sees he's going to come from Colorado, he's going to want to be on a different type of team, not a rebuilding team. And there are so many other holes that the Rangers need to fill that throwing literally $300 million at Trevor Story probably might not be the best option. And I, I agree with you that I think 68 might actually be spot on. The, the Mariners were at 72. I did them a couple days ago. I honestly cannot remember if I went over or under, but it was definitely close. I think I have the Mariners finishing last in the AL West. So I'll say just under for the Rangers, but honestly like 66 to 68. And it's because I don't think the Toronto Blue Jays can make it to the postseason because they don't have the necessary pitching and they have one of the best offenses in the league. So I don't think – this Rangers pitching staff led by Gibson and Fultonevich is going to be enough, even if this offense overperforms. I think the offense is worth watching. I think Gallo, Dahl, and Kiner Falefa are worth watching, especially if Lowe continues to hit. If Solak can turn into an everyday player, Tavares' defense is worth watching. I think there are small things, but that pitching staff, man, is going to be tough to figure out what to do with, honestly. Yeah, and that's it's been the name of the game for the Rangers for a long time, right? Pitching yeah. is always something we've struggled with. It's something every Rangers fan is upset about. Um, I agree with you. I think I think it would be a mistake to go after guys like Story and 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 Kershaw in the off season. But then again, you look at the business side of things where you just opened up a billion dollar yes, ballpark, yes, right? And you've got to put fans in the seats. To their credit, they Rangers did sell out on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, it was crazy. There was about twenty thousand fans there yesterday as well. So. People are going to watch, right? Um, and, and I think that ha- a lot of it has to do with the fact that we finally have an air-conditioned ballpark and not <laughs> in 100-degree heat in the summer. Yeah. But when you open a new ballpark, ownership is expecting you to bring in a guy who can, you know, who is going to sell tickets at that ballpark, right? We, we don't have an Adrian Beltre to do that anymore, right? Even when this team was awful, we went to the games to see what Beltre would do because yeah. it was always something that would, you know, some amazing play he would make. Um, but I, I completely agree with you. The, the, this team's pitching staff is nowhere near good enough to compete. It's going to be what holds them back. And it may not even be everybody in the starting rotation. This bullpen is awful. This yeah. bullpen is going to struggle mightily. Um, the Rangers have done a very, very poor job of evaluating bullpen talent the last few years. Um, there are people waiting in the wings. Uh, a guy like Demarcus Evans, who started the year um, on the injured list, Alex Bees, who's down at Double A, um, two guys that that can come up and, and provide some help, and young guys that the Rangers are really high on. But again, even in their starting rotation, guys like Hans Kraus and Cole Wynn, who are top ten prospects in the organization, are two three years off, you know, two three years away from making any type of impact yeah. for this team. Um, so it's going to be a long year for Rangers fans, but but I agree with your point, Emma, that the offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch. This is a team that's going to that's going to hit for average really really well. Um, 
The power numbers may fall off a little bit, but I think you're going to see steady improvement from a lot of folks. And, and I think Joey Gallo is going to have a really good year. I think you can see it in his swing. He's been a lot more patient the first few games of the year. Um, you know, whether that changes or not, that's up to him. But yeah. I think you can kind of see it in his approach at the plate. Yeah, I hope so. And if nothing else, the ballpark is cool. So it is. It's, it's very cool. Yes. Yeah, I think that you put it literally perfectly by saying this is a reclamation project. And we're just going to have to wait and see how many of those projects turn out well. So before we go, Shanabaz, tell us where people can find you and your new podcast. Yeah, um, you guys can find me at Twitter, um, at Mr. McConney or at Metroplex Mania. Um, and then you can, uh, you can subscribe to Metroplex Mania on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll have a new episode dropping here uh, later today or early tomorrow. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Awesome. So thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure to check out the link in the bio of this episode for any previous season previews that you might have missed. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for a Toronto Blue Jays season preview.